Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the 10 to Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. I am your host, Soccer Noob, and I am joined as always by my co-host, 8-year-old daughter, Person Noob. Hello! Thanks for chiming in. We'll be hearing from her throughout the podcast, including, I'm very excited, she's going to be handling our second match preview. For the first time, she'll do an entire mini preview on her own, so look forward to that. Good times. What matches actually do we preview here? Well, 10 of them, sure. The most interesting matches in the world, I say, but I get to define them exactly how I want. I look at the top flight domestic leagues from all over the world, looking for one versus two matches typically, and I don't care what country they come from. I will go any and everywhere in the world. We'll cover stuff from the Bundesliga, the Premier League, La Liga, even if they're not one versus two, as long as they're really good teams. Sure. But you can get that from lots of podcasts. So we will go to other confederations and we'll go to small countries, earn lots of frequent flyer miles and have lots of fun along the way. FA Cup matches, anything you want. If there's a trophy on the line, Noob's probably going to be there. Uh, This particular episode, we are going to be talking about matches from Friday through Thursday, March 5th through March 11th. So with no further ado, let's kick things off. Person Noob with... March number one. Here at Team Noob, we like to th- keep things chronological. No Friday matches happen to make our cut for the 10 to track, so we start on Saturday in the Cypriot Premier League. That's the nation of Cyprus. Uh, they boast the number 15 rated league in all of UEFA. That is up one from a year ago. They just passed Switzerland, and that's a really big deal to crack the top 15 because now they will get two Champions League berths starting next year for at least one year. As far as the domestic season, uh, they're just now entering the championship round. Like a lot of European leagues, about two-thirds of the way through the season or so, they break the league into the top half and the bottom half, and they only play round robins or double round robins, in this case, I believe, against one another. Your matchup as that championship round starts off in Cyprus is second place AEL Limassol versus number one Ammonia Nicosia. Ammonia lead by one in the table currently, and then AEL Limassol lead Apollon Limassol, their intra-city rivals, by just one point in the table. So we've got a heck of a race shape shaping up. A little bit about each of the teams. Uh, AEL, they are known as the Lions. Uh, very busy port city. Industrial center is Limassol. And then uh, the Trodos Mountains, uh, the southern slopes of those is where they grow a lot of delicious wine grapes. I love following the wine stuff, especially in this part of Europe. A city of about 200,000. And to lend some additional perspective in comparison to the rest of Europe and the clubs, they probably are ranked just outside the top 200 in UEFA. Uh, internationally, how do they do? In 2012-13, they had their best ever Champions League finish. They made the playoff round, which is the round right before the group stage. Then they dropped into the Europa League group stage and uh, finished all the way down in fourth place. But that's the best they'd ever done. Last year, they were in the Europa League as well. But uh, they started off and finished in the second qualifying round, losing to a Greek side, Eris Thessalonica, that's having a very good year this year. Domestically, six league titles to their credit. Been about a decade since they've won, though, 2011-2012. Last year, they were in sixth place. Uh, With my notes, I do not recall if that was last year's abandoned season or if that was the 2018-2019 season, but either way, about the middle of the league. This year doing better, and the stats back it up. They've got, uh, they're tied for having the second best offense, and same thing for defense. Key player to look for in the uh, top 10 for scoring is Ryan Amay, and I hope I'm saying that right. M M A E E. He is a Belgian born Moroccan forward, just 23 years old. If you recognize his name, it means you're a serious footy fan for Europe because he has uh, otherwise just played for some Belgian clubs like Standard Liege and Wasselen Beverland, and then uh, AGF, a really good club over in Denmark as well. Uh, meanwhile, on to our visitors. Number one, Ammonia. Uh, the word means amity, by the way, in the local language. Kind of interesting. They are known as the Green Shanrock, featured very prominently on their crest, but make no mistake, this is a left-wing team, and in Cyprus, that means red. So they do have an alternate kit that is very red, Uh, The club, the supporters all lean very left in their politics, and that is what red means there. 2020-2021 was their first Champions League appearance in a decade, 
And congratulations to them. They got further than they've ever gotten before. Uh, they beat Ararat um, Armenia and then uh, followed that up with a win over uh, Legia Warsaw and then a really impressive victory over Red Star Belgrade in the third qualifying round before losing in the playoff round to Olympiakos from Greece. A very nice run. Domestically, 20 league titles to their credit, but they haven't done it just like their foes today in about a decade, 2009-2010. They're the ones that they're tied with on uh, offense as second best, and they've got the number one defense in the league. And wow, they are very stingy, only allowing maybe a goal every other match, just a little bit less than that. Key player to look for, offensive side of the ball, top 10 scoring, Ernest Asante. He is from Ghana, right wing and a real veteran. Most of his journeyman time, other than being here, has been spent with several Norwegian clubs. Match number B. Match Number B, Liga MX in Mexico, halfway through the Clausura or closing season. Top four teams make the playoffs. Ne the next eight have to win extra match to get in. Number one, Cruz Azul versus number three, Monterrey. Second place to Club America would be number one, but they had to give up a win for having an eligible player on their bench for a match earlier this season. Here's the table. Cruz Azul with 24 points, America with 22 points, Monterrey are the best of three teams with 18 points. Also, Monterrey have a match in hand. Cruz Azul. Nick, nickname is Cement Maker's name for company that owns them. They are in Mexico City in a borough called Zocamilco. It's famous for its canals and the gondola-like boats in Trajina Ra Razder. They've won eight league titles before. The last one was 1997. They're considered cursed, kind of like the Cubs were, and other teams that are just never, that just never seem to quite be able to win at all. But actually, they've been very good internationally. They've won six Champion Leagues title, titles before. In this year's first season or stage, the Apertura, they finished in fourth place. They also made the semifinals of the Lugila, or playoffs. They have the best defense in all the league this stage. Their best player on offense is probably Jonathan Rodriguez. His nickname is Cabecita, which means someone with a little head. No idea why. He is from Uruguay, Uruguay and plays forward. He has earned 24 national team, team caps since 2014. Their goalkeeper is 40 years old. Dos de Jesus Corona has spent his entire professional career with Cruz Azul. He was active with the Mexican national team from 2015 to 18. Monterrey. Their nickname is the Steamroller. So both are kind of construction stuff. Cool, I guess. Maybe they're the only team in Mexico, in Mexico that regularly sells out their stadium. So they have the most loyal fans. Twice they have finished in third place in the FIFA Cup, World Cup. Most recently in 2019, they have won Liga MX titles five times. The last one being the Apertura of 2019. During this year, Apertura, this year's Apertura, they finished in fifth and did not make the playoffs. They're better than Cruz Azul in offense, in offense and are the better balanced team. Rogelio, Vanice Mori is tied for being second best scorer in the league. He is a striker from Argentina. Argentina. 
Argentina. His twin brother plays defense for Villa, Villarreal, Villarreal in Spain. A little weird one that plays offense and the other defense. He came up in part through the FC Dallas Dallas youth system. His first two pro years were a famous Argentina club, River Plate. He played for Benfica in Portugal too, but usually with their B team. Match number three. Excellent job, dearest daughter, on your first ever mini preview. Welcome, good and proper, to the 10 to track. I've got it from here. Match number three, another Saturday match, is the 2019-2020 EFL Trophy Final. couple of things. First of all, hang on to that date in your mind, new by. It's 2019-2020. That's going to come into play later on. The EFL Trophy, what exactly is that? That is the cup tournament that involves teams from League One and League Two in uh, England and then select uh English Premier League and Championship League Academy teams of a certain level of uh, ability and prominence. Mainly League 1 and League 2, that is the third and fourth levels respectively in the English Pyramid. Your combatants, Portsmouth, are taking on Salford and they get the honor of playing at Wembley Stadium. Really big deal for them. Uh, and you'll have an easy time catching this uh, on TV if you want. They're going to be playing it on ESPN Plus at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. A bit about each. Portsmouth, they play in the third tier, League One. The nickname for both the team and the town, and the why of it, my understanding is, has been lost to history, is Pompey or Pompey, P-O-M-P-E-Y. Not sure why of that, but I do know another interesting side note about the team. They are the only professional football team over there that is not part of the mainland country. They are based on Port Sea Island, about 25 miles off the southern coast of England. They played in the Premier League from 2003 to 2010, but then as happens to a lot of teams, uh, they ran into money problems and they have yo-yoed all over the place in uh, the second, third, and fourth divisions since then. Let's see, internationally, they played in the 2008-2009 Europa League. I believe that's their only international appearance. Uh, in any case, I know that they uh, beat Portuguese team Vitoria Guimarães, uh, and then they finished fourth place out of five in the group stage, which meant they just missed advancing on, unfortunately. They have won the top flight in England twice. However, this long predates the organization of the Premier League in its modern form. They won consecutive seasons back in the late 50s. Done a little bit better in the FA Cup. They have won that twice, uh, most recently in 2007-2008. Currently in their league, they are ranked number six, which puts them in line for the promotion playoffs. Maybe they'll get to move up to the championship next year. They are one point up on Ipswich Town and Charlton Athletic, and then they are three behind Doncaster Rovers in the standings there. Statistically, it seems like they're going to be able to tread water at best is all. Number six offense in the league, and they struggle a little bit more on defense, just ranked eighth there. On the offensive side, uh, they have a guy named John Marcus, or Marquise Marquis. I'm not sure which, but I can tell you that he is a striker, tied for sixth place in goals over there. Uh, if you follow the non-Premier League football over there, his name will be familiar to you. He's played for all sorts of uh, teams uh, in the ECL and uh, on down the pyramid. For assists, statistically, uh, you can't do a lot better than Marcus Harness on their team. He's tied for number seven in the 24-team league. Uh, early in his senior career, he played for Burton Albion. That's probably the biggest club he's been with, though, and he got loaned out about half the time while he was there in those three or four seasons. Meanwhile, Salford, your challengers. Uh, Salford means ford by the willow trees, so kind of a pleasant pastoral name. They are known as the Amies, or amateurs, even though they are a professional team, so a little ironic. And uh, where is the club? Right smack dab in the middle of the greater Manchester area, which would explain why five former and now retired Man United players uh, own about half the team. Them and a Singaporean businessman bought it, I believe, about six years ago. 
They play in League Two, that is the fourth tier in England. They are in ninth place this year, which may not sound great, but remember, these lower leagues in England have lots and lots and lots of teams. They're actually not that far off from the promotion playoffs. The top, I believe, three teams get automatically promoted up to League One, and then the next four all get to play in an end-of-season promotion playoff. They are just three points behind Exeter City right now and four behind Newport County and Bolton Wanderers. So there's going to be a tight race for that last spot, it looks like. Statistically, they're doing very well, and this bodes well, I think. I think they're going to make the playoffs and maybe even get promoted because they got the second-best offense in the league and the number-one defense. Top all-around player for that team, guy to look for, uh, Ashley Hunter, left winger, about 25 years old, six goals and five assists so far in his League Two season. Match number four. We stay on Saturday, but switch to the women's side of footy as we head to France for the Division I Feminine. This is far and away the best league in all of UEFA. As such, they get three Champions League berths, and they're about two-thirds of the way through the season there. And this is a match that has been circled on the calendar for everybody who follows this league. Uh, number B, Lyon, taking on number one, PSG. And that is so unusual because it has been number one, Lyon, for years upon years. Since time immemorial, it seems they have been winning this league and winning the entire world, in fact. But earlier this season, PSG gave them their first domestic loss in, I believe, seven years when they won 1-0 at home. So, Lyon has just got to be salivating to try to get their revenge on their home turf for this one. Basically, just want to give you the key players to look for for these. These two just dominate statistically. No other team in France is going to come particularly close to these two on offense or defense. Uh, for number B, Lyon. Um, I will give you this statistically. Basically, their average match goes about 5 nothing, no matter who they're playing. Key players, number four league scorer, Nikita Paris. She is English, a forward. Uh, she spent some time in the league over in her homeland uh, with Everton and Manchester City. And uh, she's been playing with the national team since uh, 2016, has 50 national team caps to her credit. Tied for number one in the leagues and assists is Jennifer Marojan. She is German, a midfielder, spent about seven years with uh, Frankfurt that are having a very good league year in the Bundesliga. They might be making the Champions League themselves, battling it out for, I believe, third and fourth place over there. In any case, Miss Marojan, she's got 104 national team caps to her credit. She's been playing with the national team for a decade in Germany. And interesting side note about her, she started her professional career in the Bundes, the Frauen Bundesliga over there with Saarbrücken when she was 14 years old. I mean, you want to talk about starting young. Very impressive. And then statistically, they've got the second best goalkeeper in the league, Sarah Bohade. That name is of Algerian descent of memory serves. She's been with Lyon since all the way back in 2009 and has about 150 caps for the uh, home national team there. Meanwhile, PSG, they're probably going to have to get a win to hold on to the league. These teams are only one point apart in the standings because uh, I don't remember which team it was, but somebody got a draw against PSG earlier. Key player, she's the one that had the uh, winning goal against Lyon, Marie Antoinette Katoto. She is number two in the league in scoring. Uh, the name is Congolese in descent. I like looking for that sort of stuff. She's just 22 years old, and she's been a pro and with this club since 2015. Uh, only 15 national team caps, interestingly, since 2015. Got to expect that to go up soon. Tied for number one in assists in the leagues, Kadidato Diani. That's always a hard one for me. I've talked about her before. Uh, name is of Malian descent. Uh, she's got just over 60 national team caps there in France, been playing uh, with the national side since 2013. And they are the ones that get to boast having the number one goalkeeper in the league. She is Chilean, Christiane Endler. And you'd have to really be an American soccer fan to know this, not just at the pro level, but collegiately she was in the U.S. She played for the University of South Florida, the Bulls, if memory serves. She came to PSG in uh, 2017, her first European club, and she's got about 70 national team caps for Chile, or Chile since 2009. Match number five. This is our final Saturday match, and we are headed to Africa. 
specifically Tunisia. The CLP-1 is the top flight there. It is rated as third best in Africa. As such, they get two Champions League berths and two Confederation Cups berths. That's Africa's version of Europa League, the secondary international tournament. And they're just over halfway through the season there, which is important because, as we'll soon see, there's 10 points separating our two combatants for this match. Number B, Itwell du Sahel taking on number one, Esperance. Again, Esperance lead by 10. More importantly, du Sahel, they're going to be in a real struggle potentially to hang on to that second Champions League spot. Even if they can't win the crown, they would like to have that, but they lead the next two teams in the Tunisian table by just two points. A little bit about each, du Sahel. Uh, Etoile is French for star, and that is their nickname, the star. And they play out of the city of Seuss, which is the third biggest city in all of Tunisia, about 300,000 people. Uh, give you a little map, mental visual. It's uh, in the east-northeast part of the country, and it's a port city. Even if you've never been there or to Tunisia, I will all but guarantee that you have seen it before. Because if you like or have watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, then you have seen the cityscape many, many times. They subbed in Seuss's cityscape for Cairo. They were just doing a lot of shooting there, probably cheaper. Uh, this despite the fact that Cairo and Seuss cityscape, and in many other ways, look absolutely nothing alike whatsoever. So probably funny for the people for that region. And an interesting side note for us. A little bit more about the club. IFFHS body ranks this as the number 188 club in the world, but fifth best in Africa and second best in all of Tunisia. Domestically, they have 10 league titles to their credit. Uh, last one was in 2015-16, and they've even got a Champions League title they can hang their hat on. They won that in 2007. Then they went on to participate in the FIFA Club World Cup and finished a very respectable fourth place that year. Last year in this league, they finished fourth. This year, very good offense, a little bit struggling on defense, number five in the league. Offensively, best guy to look for, uh, tied for number one in league scoring, Soleimane Kolobali. Hope I'm getting his name right. First one I've ever tried to pronounce from Cote d'Ivoire, the Ivory Coast. He is a striker from there. A uh, bit of a journeyman, I believe, in his early 30s. Most recent club he played for, interestingly, uh, was in Scotland. But if you haven't followed Scottish football in a while, you may not know the team Partick Thistle because they're all the way down in the third tier now, uh, the League One in Scotland. Uh, this guy, he came up with Tottenham Hotspur, the Premier League team, but I believe that 100% of the time that they had the rights to him, they loaned him out to various clubs all over the world. Meanwhile, uh, Esperance, <laughs> a fun note about them, I love crests, but I don't love this crest because very, very prominently featured. Just, it looks like a bad kid's uh, league t-shirt or something for YMCA ball. They've got a... They've got a little kid, I uh, suppose he's 9 or 10 years old or something like that, pale, goofy looking with big eyes, kind of the Charlie Brown wispy, uh, single hair going, uh, holding a ball. I have no idea what the deal with that crest is. I love it and I hate it. It's making my smile. What can I say? Uh, Esperance, most successful team in the country historically. Uh, not only have they won a bunch of league titles, 30 of them. They're the four-time defending league champs, in fact, but they've even won the Champions League four times, most recently in 2018 and in 2019. So this is the current powerhouse there in Tunisia. Number one offense, number one defense, although statistically neither won by tons and tons. But that said, the defense is impressive. They're another team that lets in a little bit less than one goal on average every other game. On the offensive side of the ball, look at a score for them on their leaderboard. Taha Yassine Kanisi. Hope I'm getting that right. Probably not. He is a uh, Tunisian forward, and he's been playing with the national team there since 2013. The three Mew chime sounder, if you will, of person who've been maintaining our cats for some reason has become the tradition to let you know, listeners, that it is time to take a break from our upcoming week's tracking and do what we purport to do, and that is actually track matches. Let's take a look back at the week that was last week's match number one. We went to the Slovakian Premier League, where number one Slovan Bratislava took on number two, DAC 1904, Dunajska Strada, and the result was a 3-1 win for Bratislava. Vladimir Weiss had a brace, and a guy we said to look for, no-no, he of one name, had an assist. 
Match number B, we went to Ethiopia for Ethiopia Bunna or Ethiopian Coffee if you prefer, taking on Fossil Kenema or Fossil City if you prefer. Fossil Kenema preferred to remain number one and did so with a nil one win. Match number three, we went to the Maltese Premier League. Number one, Hameroon Spartans took on number B Hibernians and the Spartans held on to the top spot with a one nil win. Sunday was the Manchester Derby. Manchester United pulled off the upset nil two. Match number five, also on Sunday, was the Madrid Derby. Atletico hosted Real, and it was a one-one draw. Match number six, the Coupe de France, the FA Cup. There, the round of 32. We had League One's Angers taking on uh, Martinique champions club Franciscane and unsurprisingly Angie uh, won in a route 5-0. Guy we said to look for, Fulgini had the first goal and so the winning goal. Another guy uh, that we didn't talk about, Ibrahim Amadou had a brace and any chance of a comeback was really had the Kaibash put it on it in the 36th minute when Martinique's uh, club Franciscane's Sebastian Lepel got a red card. So man, you don't want to be down when you're in the sixth tier, you don't want to lose a guy when you're taking on a, a top flight team like Anji. Match number seven was the second leg of the Copa do, Copa do Brazil final. That is Brazil's FA Cup. Uh, Palmeiras had won the first leg 0-1, and they went on to win at home 2-0. Rafael Veiga had an assist. Match number eight, we went to the Serie A of Italy, the women's side. Number one, Juventus taking on number B, Milan. I had predicted an upset for this one for Milan. And, oh, I should leave the prognostication to our in-house seer, Noob Stradamus, who we will hear from later, because Juventus won in a route. 4-0, and a gal we said to look for, Barbara Bonansea had a goal. Monday, we went to the Australian A-League, where very surprising guys at the top. We had number one, Central Coast Mariners, taking on number two and new to the A-League. MacArthur FC, and it was Central Coast winning 2-0. Uh, man, we wanted you to look for the box for Alu Kual had an assist. I hope I'm remembering the name right. Um, and a lot of teams could have passed them uh, since then. They're probably not going to remain number one and number two. A lot of teams uh, below them had one to three matches in hand, so it was fun to take a look at them for the moment. Wednesday was our match number 10, uh, the UEFA Champions League round of 16 second leg between a PSG and Barcelona went to a 1-1 draw which means that PSG get to move on because they uh, took it on aggregate 5-2 Noobstradamus had predicted a 0-10 win for Barcelona maybe I shouldn't leave the prognostication to him and then there were our bonus matches, which I'll give more details on what they are later. But for now, just bear with me. Our ride of the week was a Saturday game. Swiss Super League teams, Young Boys, number one, took on last place FC Fadutz. And the result was a surprising 1-1 draw. And in fact, uh, Young Boys had to get the equalizer in the 81st minute. The assist was gotten by a guy we said to look for, Jean-Pierre Ensame. The most meaningless match in the world was a Wednesday match in Kuwait. Number six, Al Samaya had taken on number five, Al Sahel, and Samaya won three to one. They who are known as the Terrible Troublers. They got all their goals in the second half and just come behind for behind win. Uh, Sahel have now lost three straight. Uh, nevertheless, uh, they still remain in the middle of standings in seventh, and Salmaya are still number six. And then finally, last week's match of Disappointed was a Sunday match in the North Macedonian First Football League, where second to last place Belasica took on last place number 12 Academy Pandev. And the result, unsurprisingly and disappointingly for everybody who watched it, was a nil-nil draw. And that concludes your episode 23 recap. Match number six. And the second half of the official 10 to track matches takes us to Sunday on the calendar at last and to Germany specifically, the Bundesliga, rated number four of all leagues in UEFA. They and Italy are very, very close, but they got past this last year by Italy. Still, they get four Champions League group stage berths, one Europa League group stage berth, and then one Europa Conference League playoff round berth. And I always like to make a little side note. Uh, the ECL is, uh, it's never been played before. It's now going to be a tertiary international tournament in Europe uh, below Europa League. 
In any case, the matchup, we have number B, RB Leipzig, Red Bull Leipzig, taking on number four, Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, let's see, Leipzig trail Bayern Munich by just two in the table, so a very tight race for the top two. And then Frankfurt lead Leverkusen by five points in the table, so they're going to be part of a battle for that last Champions League group stage berths. A little bit about each. Red Bull Leipzig. Uh, they have been on a bit of a roll. They had won four straight between uh, the league and their FA Cup until they got swept by Liverpool in the Champions League. Uh, they're pretty good on offense. Number one on defense in Germany. That's hard to do because they like their offense there. And this is just one of two teams in the league that is allowing fewer than one goal per match. The goalkeeper is their main guy, and that is Peter Gulacci. He is a Hungarian veteran, 30 years old. Uh, Liverpool had the rights to him for about five years, but always loaned him out. Best club that they ever uh, sent him off to is probably a whole city for a loan spell. He's been in the uh, Red Bull pipeline for a bit. He played for Red Bull Salzburg in Austria from 2013 to 15, and he's been with the uh, Hungarian national team, has 36 caps for them since 2014. Their best overall offensive player, he's not on the league top 10 list or anything, but it's probably uh, Angelino. He is a Spanish 24 and a left midfielder, four goals, four assists. He actually came up with Man City in their youth system, and then Man City had the rights to him from 2014 to 18, but I don't think he ever appeared for them. I do know that he got loaned out to some uh, La Liga clubs over in Spain, um, another one over in the Netherlands and MLS fans, if you remember him. And I don't think he was with them, but for maybe part of a season. 2015, he played for uh, NYCFC. Also, interesting side note, he is with a national team, but not the Spanish one. He plays for the Galician uh, national team. Uh, Galicia being an autonomous area in Spain and not FIFA affiliated. So to be honest, I'm not entirely sure who they play, but... Whoever they do play, he has been playing with them since 2016. Meanwhile, Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, just about uh, two and a half weeks ago, they upset Bayern Munich at home, 2-1, to one, really big deal, but they're just 0-1-1 since then. Uh, throughout the league season, it's not like they've struggled, struggled, but they have very few clean sheets. They give away at least one goal every single game. They're probably going to have to shut some people out to hang on to a top four spot and get into the Champions League next year, is my opinion. Uh, they are the Eagles, third best offense, just tied for number five on defense, so I think that's going to be their bugaboo. Uh, tied for number uh, B in league scoring is Andre Silva, a Portuguese striker, just 25. He's already played for a number of other big clubs around Europe as well. Uh, uh, Porto in his home Portugal, uh, Milan over in Serie A. And then uh, Sevilla and Frankfurt on loan. And then uh, now he's full-time with Frankfurt. And he's been playing with the national team in Portugal since 2016. And then tied for number three on assists is Filip Kostic, Serbian winger. Uh, he's played for some under other Bundesliga clubs, uh, Stuttgart and uh, Hamburger, who I believe this year are down in the second division. And he has been with the Serbian national team since 2015. Match number seven. Another Sunday match, and we are headed to Bosnia and Herzegovina, their Premier League, uh, a fair bit further down the coefficient table. But here at Team Noob, we like to follow footy from everywhere. Make it a hashtag or something. Uh, in UEFA's coefficient table, this is just the 36th ranked league, but that is up four spots from a year ago. So they're getting closer and closer to the halfway point. They still only get the bare minimum in terms of uh, international berths. Uh, they get a Champions League berth, but all the way back in the first qualifying round. And then two ECL berths, but both in the first qualifying round. About two-thirds of the way through the season here. The matchup is number B, Shiroki Brieg, versus number one, FK Sarajevo. Sarajevo are ahead by eight. So this is Shiroki Brieg's big chance to make up a, a meaningful amount of ground. They've got to get three points probably here. Uh, Shiroki Brieg are uh, actually tied for second in the table with somebody else but had on goal differential. And then they lead the next two teams in the table by just a single point. So it uh, could be quite a bit of uh, musical chairs, a real race for those two ECL berths at the very least. A little bit about each. Uh, Shiroki Brieg, uh, let's see, they're in the west-southwest part of the country, a town of about 30,000 Translates to Wide Hill. Uh, maybe something's lost in the translation, but not exactly the most exciting name. 
Uh, not a big industrial area. They don't do a lot of uh, ag as far as for exports. It's mostly just a, mostly an area where they grow food for themselves. But what it is better known for is a real hotbed of Croatian nationalism. A little perspective for a team down this far in a league in the coefficient tables. Uh, this is probably, they're probably rated about three, uh, just inside the top 350 in UEFA for all clubs. Domestically, they have two league titles to their credit. Most recent one was 2005-2006. And they've been Europa League regulars in recent years, but they've never done any better than the second qualifying round in the Champions or Europa Leagues. Last year, they finished in just seventh place. This year, sort of wondering if they're a really, really tough team or when their luck is going to run out because they're uh, just barely above average in both offense and defense, and their goal differential is very, very average. So this might be the match, even though it's at home for them, where the uh, chickens come home to roost or some such. Uh, team leading scorer, the guy to look for, Alan Juro. I hope I'm saying his name right, J-U-R-I-L-J. He is an attacker, 25 years old. He's got six goals for them on the year. If his name is familiar to you, he used to play for a bit stronger of a club. Used to be in Ukraine's Premier League, and he spent his first three professional years with Dynamo Zabgreb. Excellent team over there. Meanwhile, you're likely champions in waiting, in my opinion. Uh, FK Sarajevo, they are, apropos, known as the Giants. They are the two-time defending champions, and those two are part of five league titles to their credit. Uh, their best-ever Europa League finish, or any international finish probably, was just this year, 2020, or last year, I should say, the Europa League. They made it all the way to the third qualifying round. This year, they have the best offense and best defense in the league, and they've got a bit more separation on the offensive side of the ball. So even on the road, they're going to probably try to control the pace and really push things. Tied for number one in league scoring is Benjamin Tatar. Although, this is the chink in the armor for Sarajevo. Their leading scorer is no longer with them. I don't know if they're having financial troubles or what, but they just sent him off to a club called Aba within the last month, which is in the top flight in Saudi Arabia. Match number eight. Our next one is another Sunday match, and it is the 2020-2021 EFL Trophy Final. Saturday, we had the 2019-2020 version that we previewed. Told you to hang on to that date. Hope the pitch can hold up for this one. Because of COVID, everything has been all uh, hosed up as far as timing, and so they're having both years' finals on the same weekend. This one's going to be televised on stateside as well. You can catch it on ESPN Plus, 11 a.m. again at Wembley Stadium. And the matchup for this trophy is going to be Sunderland versus Tranmere. Uh, Sunderland, they are playing in the third tier, League One, and they are the Black Cats. And they've yo-yoed around a lot and spent uh, several years in the Premier League. Uh, they uh, play in the Stadium of Light, which is actually one of the 10 biggest stadiums in the entirety of England. Seats just shy of 50,000. Uh, they're also very, very well uh, known for their hooligans. So if you like those sorts of shenanigans, then this is the team for you, perhaps. They have six top-flight English titles to their credit. I phrase it that way as opposed to saying Premier League because the Premier League is not what it was called when they last won it. Back in 1936, bit of a gap. Uh, they are number four in the league this year, so who knows, could be on the rise if they can climb just a little bit higher into the second tier, the championship. Uh, pretty good offense. They have the league's best defense this year. Tied for number one in league scoring, a guy named Charlie White. He came up with a championship side uh, Middlesbrough. Number two in assists to look for is Aiden McGeady. If you like your football Irish, he's from the Republic of Ireland, uh, 34, so a little bit long in the tooth, a winger, and his resume shows it. He has been everywhere. Biggest clubs he's been with, uh, Celtic, uh, Spartak Moscow, uh, Everton in the Premier League, and he's got nearly 100 national team caps under uh, to his credit since 2004. And we have another USA connection. And I'm going to hate myself for doing this, but I'm doing it anyway. Lyndon Gooch. Hey, hey, hey. It's me, the Gooch. Dramatic pause. If you are not of an age where you would remember the show Different Strokes, then that will be lost on you. And if you do remember Different Strokes, I should probably still apologize because that was probably a pretty bad impersonation. But I loved that show and I loved that character. He only ever got his voice. In any case, Lyndon Gooch, he's a winger, 25 years old, and he's got just a handful of uh, national caps under his belt for the U.S. Uh, back uh, right around 2016. 
Meanwhile, Tranmere, uh, they play out of the town of uh, Birkenhead in the Merseyside area, area of about 90,000. This is right on the other side of the River Mercy from Liverpool. Uh, nickname, not sure how well this would play in the U.S., at least right now, if you want to think politically correctly. Uh, they are known as the Super White Army. I'm sure it's due to white being one of their key colors. Last year, they were in League One, but they finished in 21st place and got relegated. Uh, this year, they look like they could be on their way back up. They are number four in the standings in League Two. Uh, best ever finish that they've had in domestic football was uh, they finished in fourth place in the second flight. Uh, I'm not sure if it was called the championship then or not, but it was uh, back in 1992-93. And they've got a little history on their side. For this event, they won this cup back in uh, the 1989-90 season. Uh, this year, despite the fact that they're pretty far up in the League 2 standings, the t statistics kind of don't bear it out. They're uh, a fair bit above average on offense, but really average at best on defense. Uh, second best league scorer, they get to boast James Vaughn on their side. He played a lot of with a lot of big clubs early in his career, though I don't know how many appearances he had for any of these necessarily. Uh, he was with Everton, although they tended to loan him out, but to other big names like uh, Leicester City and Crystal Palace, and he's also played with uh, Norwich and Huddersfield. Tied for number four to assist in this league is Liam Feeney. He's actually on loan to them from League One side Blackpool. Uh, biggest club he's probably played for, 2017-18 uh, season. Uh, he was on loan to Cardiff City. Match number nine. New Bites, you get Monday and Tuesday off from your formal tracking duties. We jump ahead to Wednesday for match number nine. It is the second leg of a round of 16 match in the Champions League The Team Nuba selected. From UEFA, we get Chelsea and Atletico Madrid. Chelsea already lead from a 0-1 win in Spain from the first leg of this two-legged tie. Now, rather than give you a three- or four-minute mini-preview, I will simply say that Noob is not just a character. Noob is my life. I've only been following footy for a few years. Thank you for listening to this podcast and giving something new a try. If you found this one, I know you've listened to other podcasts as well. And that from other lifelong fans of the game, you can get a deeper dive and more in-depth information on these teams in this particular matchup that I could reasonably give. So I'm not going to try. Instead, I will do what I have done before and invite us to try to find out where we might be able to risk a little quid to make a lot of quid. Our in-house 3,500-year-old prognosticator, he of the flowing blue robes and majestic white hair and beard and everything else that is stereotypical of an ancient seer. He is Noobstradamus, and he is here to tell us what he has divined from the spirit world regarding this match. Take it away, old, old friend. Funny you should ask for divination regarding the upcoming Champions League match, Chelsea versus Atletico Madrid. I just returned to my stomping grounds here, about the Thracian plains of Greece after a visit to Fulham, London, home of the Blues. More, it is the home of Margravine Cemetery, my destination therein. Buried there is my old friend Edward Charles Williams of the famous Williams Landscape Painters, the Barnes School of the 19th Century. You may best remember him for his landscape paintings, featuring people more prominently than others. This was because figure painters were more well thought of than landscapists at the time. Complex lighting, too. Fine hand. But when his second wife died, he went mad. His second wife had been the nurse of his dying first wife, while they did not marry till ten years later, the two had a child before the first Mrs. Body was cold. That her maiden name was Horley seems quite fitting. I was not a fan of the whole situationship, as I believe the hip kids now might have called it. After Horley died, his interest in painting dwindled, as well as for landscapes altogether. But being a good friend, I encouraged him to carry on his artistry with anything else. And what should I get for my noble support? His painting, Primrose at St. Mary's. 
It was supposed to be me, as I'd offered to be a subject at his request. But it was so awful, I decided to convince people it was a local Anglican Church Verger's cat. Out of pitiable charity for Williams and I both, the notion was adopted. Ugh, to this day, I cannot stand it. Know what? F*** that cat. Damn thing ate a bunch of my lotus leaves. And speaking of lotus leaves, I've lost my train of thought entirely. Oh yes, um, trance, spirits, uh, omen, all that. Uh, Atletico Madrid, zero two in the upset. Chelsea are out of the CL. Stupid high feline. number 10 we're done finally so the cat was high okay i don't want to say that i'm losing confidence in these prognostications week after week but it would be nice if you got one of the winners right let alone the score i don't know whether to tell him to smoke more or fewer lotus leaves so confusing, but entertaining. Thank you very much, Noobstradamus. We appreciate everything you do or try to do for us, you addict. Anyway, uh, match number 10. We have reached the end of our official tracking. Don't worry, we still do have our bonus matches to go. But for the official 10, we end in Russia, their Premier League, which is rated number 7 by UEFA. They get a Champions League group stage berth for being rated that high. They get a second one in the third qualifying round, and then a couple of ECL berths in the second and third qualifying rounds, respectively. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season in Russia. The matchup, number B, CSKA Moscow, taking on number one, Zenit St. Petersburg. Usually, it seems like every year that I've been following, anyway, Turkey has the most teams that are near the top as the season gets into its last legs. But this year, it might be Russia taking the cake for having the overall best race. Zenit lead Moscow by CSKA Moscow by two. CSKA Moscow in turn lead intracity rival Spartak by just one. So somebody's going to lose in this game of musical chairs and not get to go to the Champions League. Going to be fascinating. CSKA, that acronym, uh, I don't know my Russian specifically, but I know that generally speaking that that refers to an army team. That is the history of this one. They are also known as the Horses. Why? Well, the stadium was built on an old hippodromo, an old race course. And I'm, I'm not sure why, if this is a Russian cultural thing or what, but calling the team the Horses was considered uh, kind of insulting, but the team... Uh, and the supporters, they've decided to own it, an instance of, instance of seizure, and so now they're proud of the nickname. This is one of five Moscow-based teams. They are rated number 32 in all of Europe. Internationally, well, uh, they've won the Europa League in 2004-2005, their best finish. Uh, the last two years, they finished in fourth place in the Europa League group stage, however. Their best finish ever in the Champions League was uh, just a decade ago, 2011-12. and 12. They made the round of 16. Domestically, 13 league titles to their credit. Most recent one, 2015-2016. Last year, they finished in just fourth place. Uh, let's see, they're pretty good on offense, tied for number one for defense. So this is a team that's really going to try to slow things down. The offense that they do muster, tied for number three in goals in the league and number one in assists, Nikola Vlasic. He's a Croatian attacking midfielder, just 23 years old. And with those kind of credentials, you wonder when he might get to move on to an even bigger league. I mean, Russia's top 10, but there are places to go. And uh, the Premier League might be one of those places he actually played with Everton for a year before they first loaned him out to CSKA. And he does have 17 national team caps for Croatia and uh, collecting those since 2017. Meanwhile, Zenit, they're rated number 19 in UEFA. And to lend additional perspective on that, that puts them right below Man United in that particular uh, ranking. So very, very high. They won the Europa League back in 2007-2008. Uh, Champions League group stage, they qualified for that the last two seasons, and they have been as far as the round of 16 before. Domestically, seven league titles to their name. They are the two-time defending league champions. Tied for number one on defense, but their offense is where they really separate from the pack. Some They're number one there as well. 
They've got two guys who are tied for number one in scoring in the league, the one I'll tell you about. Uh, Artem Dezuba, I believe he's better all the way around, and probably by virtue of being a veteran. He's 34 years old, has spent his entire career with various Russian teams, and he has been uh, making national team appearances for the last decade in Russia. He's got 47 of those caps. Uh, tied for number one in assists in the league, we've got Brazilian Douglas Santos, and he plays left back. I always like when we find these guys who play out of a defensive, a traditionally defensive position, but still uh, add on to the offensive stats for the club. Got to be fun to watch those uh, box-to-box guys. Uh, most recently, he was with uh, Hamburger SV, which is now in uh, Germany's Bundesliga 2. He also spent a season with Granada, so if his name is familiar to you, it might be because you follow La Liga. And he did earn all of one national team cap back in 2016. And now onward and upward to what I believe is my favorite part of the podcast, the bonus matches. And thank you so much for participating in the Twitter polls and voting amongst the various candidate matches that I put up there. If you're not doing so, you can find me at Soccer Noob USA on Twitter, whether to vote in polls or just to make constructive criticism or talk with me about footy or I'll even take messages for Person Noob. She's only eight and she doesn't get her own account yet. We all know what Twitter can be like. Anyway, the first of our matches is the... Route, 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 route of, of... Of, of, the week, 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 week. Nice echo effect, person noob. I always appreciate your efforts. Yes, noob for the bonus matches has scoured every single top flight domestic league in the entire world looking for, in this case, first versus last place matches. I put them up. You knocked them down voting. Austria's Bundesliga is where we're headed for this uh, likely butt kicking uh, this is the number 28 rated league in all of UEFA, which is up five spots from a year ago. Just a couple more matches until the league's going to break into its uh, championship and relegation rounds for a double round robin. Uh, the league gets two Champions League berths, a playoff round berth and a second qualifying one, as well as a couple of uh, ECL berths. Only one team gets relegated, and that's what I really want to point out here because all hope is not lost for our team that's probably going to get decimated. The matchup. Number one, Red Bull Salzburg taking on number 12. Last place, Admira Mudling in Austria's Bundesliga. Salzburg in the table, lead Rapid Vienna by five. Uh, meanwhile, Mudling, uh, they only trail Alltag by two. So who knows, they could still uh, make a move and not have to go down to Austria's second division yet. Salzburg, they are 15-1-4 and four on the season. Offense is where they really get it done. They score nearly twice as many goals as anybody else in the league. Number one league scorer has been Patson Daka, just 22 years old from Zimbabwe, a forward. Uh, he's been with this team since 2017, and he's been earning a few caps with the Zimbabwean national team since 2017. Also that same year, he was named Africa's Young Player of the Year. Very, very nice. But who's going to be setting him up? They've lost a couple of weapons. Uh, this is one of those teams they move on a lot of young guys. Uh, their uh, assist leader, number two in the league, uh, Dominic Soboslai, just 20 years old. He got moved uh, further on in the RB, uh, in the Red Bull pipeline, if you will, onto the German Bundesliga side, Leipzig, that we discussed earlier. That just happened in December. So, Next man up, tied for number five in the league in assists, Majid Asamero from Ghana, midfielder, 23 years old. But I believe that he's been loaned out to Anderlecht uh, over in uh, the Belgium top flight. So I'm not sure who's setting him up right now. Could be Karim Adeyemi. He's German, a striker, just 19 years old. He's made the assist leaderboard. It'll be interesting to see if he still gets a lot of playing time and can climb. And we have another USA connection from this team. Brendan Aronson, 20 years old, midfielder, uh, MLS fans, you will know him from having played for the Philadelphia Union, as well as having a couple USMNT appearances. Meanwhile, the team that's about to get buried, Admiral Mudling, facing all those weapons. Uh, Mudling, this is a district that's just south of Vienna proper, so it's kind of small, only about 20,000, but it's really part of the greater metro area. One of the things it's famous for, a little side note, I always like to look for these, 
Castle. Liechtenstein is one of the many castles there, and it is uh, it was owned by the same family for which the European tiny duchy or country of Liechtenstein is named. Last year, they finished in just 11th place, barely missed getting relegated. Uh, they did have some golden years, uh, nine national titles to their credit, but uh, none since the mid-1960s. Only time they ever made the Champions League, and it was called something else back then, uh, was 1966-1967, in fact. Uh, they did make three Europa Leagues in the 2010s, but they never did any better than the third qualifying round. Uh, this year in the league, just three wins to four draws and 13 losses. Uh, the defense is really where they struggle. The, the offense is number 10 in the league, but the worst defense in the league by far. Best all-around player to whom they can pin any hopes whatsoever Probably central midfielder uh, Roman Kirschbaum. Let's look for his name in the box score. He's got five goals and a couple assists on the season. And if his name is familiar to you, it's because he has played before in the larger Bundesliga, or maybe it was Bundesliga 2, but in any case for the club, Nuremberg. And for our second bonus match that you have voted on the winners for, well, before I explain, maybe I should just let Personoob join me in singing the match's new theme song. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. With apologies to Prince, we loved the most beautiful girl in the world. Classic pop track. We have made it our own. Hopefully improved upon it. Probably not, despite my daughter's best efforts. Good job, P-Noob. I love you. The most meaningless match in the world. This is my probably very favorite because other podcasts, including this, will spend a lot of time highlighting teams that are very, very high on the table. And occasionally you'll even get some that focus on teams that might be about to get relegated, dropped into lower leagues. This might be the only podcast ever that goes out of its way to shed a little light on clubs that perhaps never get into the spotlight because they are perfectly situated in the middle of their leagues, halfway between winning or finishing high enough to get to go to international tournaments or finishing at the bottom, risking getting relegated to lower leagues. The most meaningless match in the world this week. You voted for a Saturday match in the Costa Rican Primera Division. Uh, they're about halfway through the Clausura stage. Remember a lot of uh, the Latin American countries, they uh, they have two separate seasons each uh, calendar or soccer year, the Apertura and the Clausura, opening and closing. They're about halfway through that uh, Clausura so far. Uh, the top four teams are going to make the league playoffs. The Apertura and Clausura champs uh, will get to go to the CONCACAF Champions League round of 16 as well as the best aggregate non-champion, uh, they'll get to start in the preliminary round of the Champions League. And then just one team gets relegated. But why is that important? This is the most meaningless match in the world. These teams are as far as you can get from both of those things. <laughs> number seven, Guadalupe FC, taking on number eight, CS Cartaginés. Uh, CSC won the first match 2-1. to one. This is the rematch. And Guadalupe leads CSC by one in the table. A little bit about each. Guadalupe. Uh, they are uh, playing. Guadalupe is actually the name of a suburb of the capital city of San Jose. About 20, 25,000 people in this one. It's in the northern canton of uh, Goico Echia, if I'm getting my emphases on the right syllables there. Not sure. Club is a very young club. They were only founded just in 2017. Uh, for the Apertura stage, they finished in just eighth place. Uh, this year, they're a little bit all over the map statistically. Uh, they've got the second best offense, but they're uh, exactly the opposite on defense, number nine. Third best overall uh, goal differential. I think this is a team that could climb, although I don't think that they'll get to play in the Champions League or anything next year. They are two, one, and two, perfectly middling out of their last five matches. Uh, guy to look for, always look for those. The team's leading scorer is Frank Zamora. Costa Rican, mid Costa Rican midfielder, and he spent his entire career uh, in that country system. Meanwhile, CSC, they are known as the Foggers. Not sure why. What I can tell you is they play out of Cartago or Cartago. I'm not sure about the G there. They play uh, in a great, the greater metro area is about 450,000. And this is the former capital, and it's very close to San Jose, I believe. Central part of the country. 
a very, very old club as opposed to their foes today. They were founded all the way back in 1906. Last stage, they finished in fifth place. They've got three league titles to their credit. Last one was all the way back in 1940. We seem to be running into a lot of that sort of thing this episode. But more interesting is with this club, there's a couple different stories, and I'll share one. There's a belief that this team is cursed, specifically when it comes to league play, trying to win the championship. Uh, one story, the one I like best, suggests that there is a voodoo doll, and I don't know why, but there's a voodoo doll buried under the turf somewhere. And unless someone is able to find it and dig it up, this team is destined to never win another league title. Have to phrase it that way about the league specifically because this is a team that has won five uh, domestic FA Cups. And in fact, two of them were pretty recent, 2014 and 2015 back-to-back. They even won the CONCACAF Champions League, or what is now called that, back in just 1994. Uh, They are 1-2-2 in their last five. Uh, Statistically, I think they're more likely to drop. They're below average in both offense and defense. Their goal differential... Is pretty awful, but so far they're treading water in the middle of the league. Uh, best player to look for, I think, is a guy who's tied for the team lead in scoring, uh, Roger Rojas. He's from Honduras, 30 years old, and he's attacker. He's got three goals. If his name is familiar to you as a CONCACAF fan, uh, it's because he did at one point play for Nacoxa, and he's also played for the very big club Tolima down in Colombia. And alas, dear friends, we have reached the end of our podcast trek with this, the 13th match of the 10 to track, because that's just how much we believe in match. Look, I like my 10 and I like my bonus matches. I'm not giving any of them up, nor am I giving up the idea that every week we end our podcast not on notes of happiness or joy, but with wailing and gnashing of teeth, nothing but sorrow as we dive deeply into the match of disappointment. Yes, thank you, Kevin Sorbo. I can feel that you feel very strongly about this. You have voted on a Friday match winner, if winner is even the right word, Newbites. The Tanzanian Premier League is where we're finishing things off. This is the number 12 rated league in all of Africa, which is important for the good teams in the league because next year they'll get two Champions League berths. Three are going to get relegated. These two stinkers, they're more the relegation kind than the Champions League kind. Number 17, second to last place in Bayou City, taking on number 18, probably mispronouncing it, Mwadui, M-W-A-D-U-I. Had trouble finding pronunciation for these. Uh, Mbeya City are three behind Ehefu, and then more importantly, seven points behind Mitboa Sugar. That's their uh, point of safety. That's the top team that's not in the relegation zone. And then Emwadui is a point behind Mbeya City. A little bit about each Mbeya City. Uh, that is an area of about 400,000 people in the southern highlands of the country, southwest part, and is known as the Scotland of Africa. In fact, the flora really aren't exactly the same, but if you look at pictures, it looks like Scottish heath and bracken all over the place. And the highlands just look exactly like Scotland to the untrained eye, apparently. Uh, interesting side note, Prisons FC is also based in the same uh, in this same city, and uh, they also play in Tanzania's Premier League. Club was founded in 2011. They've got several nicknames. The Green City Boys, the Purple Tigers, and this one is my favorite, the Jacaranda Warriors. Jacaranda is a purple flower that's not, I don't think it's truly indigenous to this area, but this is one of those flowers that can survive all over the place and apparently does so in this area. Uh, last year they finished in 15, but they and uh, they were going to get relegated, but they got to participate in a relegation playoff, which I don't think the league is going to have this year. And they got to stay up because they won that uh, this year. Oh, just nasty! Two 11 and nine on the season. The goal differential puts them a little bit above the top two, but I don't think that's going to save them. It's the number 16 GD in the league. Um, if there's anybody who's not going to entirely just suck, I suppose it's going to be team leading scorer, uh, Richardson and He's got a whopping two goals on the season, which for this team is a lot. Meanwhile, Mwadui, uh, which I think in Swahili translates to the enemy, not a hundred percent sure on that. 
Uh, Shinyanga is the town that they play out of. It's in the north central part of the country, about 200,000. If this name rings a bell to you at all in a non-soccer way, it is because uh, Mwadui is uh, synonymous with the name Williamson, as in the Williamson Diamond Mine. Uh, that is in this area. Uh, the Emwadui Club name comes from a local chief from the area. The other way that this uh, area, if not the soccer club itself, might be familiar to you, there was a pretty important documentary made uh, not too, too long back called Forests for the 21st Century. Uh has to do with the uh, United Nations reforestation program, and that area is getting uh, reforested, if that's even a verb. So kind of cool. Last year, they finished at 11th place. Uh, they've got uh, the 11th best offense this year, which is almost average, but far in the waist, far and away the worst defense, which is going to make up for any good that they might have been able to do on the offensive side. So good luck, I suppose, to both of these teams, even though you probably don't deserve it. You very, very disappointed us. And that'll do it for episode 24 of the 10 to Track weekly World Match Previews podcast. Thank you so much for your contributions, the management in editing and production, to Dan, the Interno Inferno, for everything he supports and provides. And, of course, to my daughter, Persanoob, love you and appreciate you so, so much. Same goes for you, dear Newbites. Thanks for tuning in. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, we try to put on somewhat of a unique podcast. Lots of little bits about lots of different clubs and teams from throughout the world that you might not get anywhere else. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you'll join us next time. Until then, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. (laughs) 